Good morning. What a beautiful day and a wonderful day it is to be here in the house of the Lord with you. I'm blessed because of you, and I hope you're blessed because of together, the family of God is together once again. As Nathan said, we've been doing this series of the fruits of the Spirit, and this is the second one in that series that we're going to do. Ian introduced it last week in talking about the fruit of the Spirit is love. This morning we're going to talk about joy. I think what Nathan's word I think he was looking for was manifested in us. These things that the fruit of the Spirit is, it should be in our Christian lives. They require effort and work to get there. I mean, I don't know about you, but self-control is hard for me, so I have to work at it. It needs to be faithful. We need to be kind. We need to be patient. But those things don't just come naturally. You have to work at them. And you would think that maybe joy is not that way, but I think when you look through the lesson this morning, you'll find that we need to work at being joyful. These are my definitions, and as we go through the scriptures, I think you'll see that they're fulfilled. But joy is the hope of promises both present and future. It requires faith. Joy comes from the fact that we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins. We believe that there's a heavenly home for us and that God takes care of us. Those are things that bring joy to the Christian. And it requires faith. And we need to be glad of who we are no matter what the situation is. It doesn't make any difference how our things are going here in this life. Our joy should be constant. The opposite of joy, just to have a phrase there, is to is despair. If we don't have joy, we have despair or we have hopelessness, especially as Christians. Now, I want to point out, and we'll talk about here in a minute, but joy is not happiness. Happiness is to feel good in the present. Right now, I'm happy or I'm sad. The opposite of happiness is sad. They're not necessarily the same thing. They're not the same thing. Give me an example in the scriptures. In Hebrews the 12th chapter, reading there in the first verse, very familiar group of scripture about let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is no one that would say that Jesus' body was happy, that it was beaten and that it was nailed to the cross. There is no happiness in that. There is no happy in that situation. But the scripture said he was full of joy. Two reasons. The scriptures tell us he was full of joy. Number one, because he obeyed his father. And number two, because he was being sacrificed for the sins of mankind. And the idea that that would bring joy so that he could sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, not happiness, but joy. Certainly happiness and joy can coexist. Got an example for you, a fictitious example. The grandmother told the preschool child, if you'll take your nap, we'll go to Brahms and have a scoop of ice cream. Child's happy, and he's got joy because anticipation that we're going to have ice cream. Sure enough, gets up from his nap. Grandmother comes, gets him, says, let's go to Brahms and have some ice cream. They go there. And she gives him a scoop of ice cream. 
And she said, it's a nice day. Let's go outside and eat our ice cream. Well, he walked out the door and took a lick. And the first thing that happened is the scoop of ice cream went splat right there on the concrete floor. His happiness went from happiness to sadness in a half a second. But he was able to look at his grandmother and have joy because she's going to fix it. And she fixed it. So we find that happiness and joy can coexist, but they're not the same. Even in tribulation, Jesus said to his disciples, his apostles, Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed your reward is greater in heaven, for in like manner the Father did to the prophets. This Jesus said, Be, be joyous, rejoice that you are that these things happen because that means you're doing the right thing. And this happened to the prophets of old. And you know, that actually happened a number of times, but here in Acts, the fifth chapter, the scriptures talk about the apostles were there. I don't know if all the apostles, all the apostles are there, or just a few, but the leaders of the Jewish nation had taken them and wanted to kill them. And Gail Meal, one of the leaders of the Jewish nation said, you know, you better be careful. If they really truly are of God, you can't fight against God. And the group said they agreed with him. And when they'd called the apostles to be and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus Christ and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Jesus said that would happen to them. And they recognized it and were joyful. I don't know about you, but I don't read much of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, the third chapter there in the 17th verse, it says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the field yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk was putting out what I said. It's not our situation in life that counts. It's the fact that we are rejoicing because we are of God and the salvation is his. So no matter what, Habakkuk said, I will rejoice in the Lord. And I will joy in the God of my salvation. I want to bring you a few things this morning about where you can get joy. We need to work on joy. Well, first of all, the scriptures talk about how that joy is to know God's word and obey it. There's joy in the scriptures. Way back in Nehemiah, Nehemiah called the people together and had them sit down, and the Levi, the, they, were read, they were read the law. They had not heard the law. They had not been following the law. And it says there, and the Levites who taught the people said of all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Now, I'm not sure whether they wept because of good tidings or because if you know what's in the old law, it's got a lot of blessings. But man, does it have a lot of cursing if you didn't do it. And these people were not following the law. But the Levites said that taught them, said, don't mourn. This is the day of, of the Lord. 
So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions, and rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. They heard the word. The gospel, they, they heard the Old Testament. And in doing so, it made them joy because they understood what they should do. You know, Jeremiah in the 15th chapter and the 16th verse, he says, It was to me the joy and rejoicing in my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah said, you know, I took your words and I brought them into me. And I rejoiced. Why? Because they told me that I was a child of God. I was a chosen people. You and I are chosen people. His word points that out, and we should be joyous because of it. We all know the account of the eunuch and Philip, how that Philip went up to the eunuch and began to teach him Jesus from Isaiah. And evidently he taught him about baptism because the eunuch said, here's water, what hitteth me to be baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way, what? Rejoicing. Why? He heard the word. It was taught to him, and he understood it, and he obeyed it. That's rejoicing. That's being Glad. That's having joy in the word. Here's one of mine that step on my toes. There is joy in being content. How easy it to be not content. To complain that things just aren't going the way I want them to go. Or think they should go. The scriptures tell us though, but there's joy in being in con- to have con- contentment. We know that Paul of Silas in Acts the 16th chapter there in the 22nd verse where it says that the multitude rose up together against them, but the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. But at midnight, Paul and Silas was praising and singing, praying and singing songs to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. They were in bad shape. They'd been beaten. They'd been thrown in prison. Prison was not nice. And yet at midnight, that wasn't wasn't an issue. They were praying and singing praises. The Apostle Paul later on in Philippians, the fourth chapter, talks about the fact of being content. In fact, he says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am in to be content. He was telling them there had been lots of things happened to him in his life. I know how to be abased. I know how to, be a, how to abound. Everything in all things I have learned both to be full. and We know that I've been beaten, all those things. But he says, you know, I've learned to be content no matter what state I'm in. There's joy in contentment. How about joy in doing good? You know, this is something that humans understand. You get a good feeling when you help somebody. You get a good feeling when uh, someone asks you to do something and you do it for them. Or you do something for someone and they didn't even ask. You get that good feeling. Well, there's joy in doing good that we find in the scriptures that tell us that. Way back in 1 Chronicles, the 29th chapter, we find that David had collected together all the stuff to build the temple. Solomon was going to build it because God said he wasn't. 
But he said in the 16th verse, O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. First of all, it's not mine and I didn't do it, David said. It's yours and everything that we got here is yours. I know also, my God, that you test the hearts and have pleasure in uprighteousness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all things, all these things. And now with joy, I, I have seen the people who are present here to offer willingly to you. He said, there is joy in just looking at the people that are doing good, that are doing the things God wanted to be done. In the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, he says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and fellowship of the ministering to the saints. What did he say about the Macedonian brethren? He said, they're not rich. They don't got a lot of money. In fact, they're poor. And he said, they not only gave, they gave more than they had. But they did it willingly. They happily did it. Joyfully did it. And they couldn't wait. Urgency there that, way, that the, the apostles would take their gift and use it. The adage, it's better to give than receive. This week on CBS, CBS National News... There was a story there about a man, and I don't remember the town, but he was a city worker, worked for the city. So this is not a man that has lots of money. But he went about doing good, small things. He would help people here. He would pay for a little something here. He would help people there. That was just what he liked to do. So that he was in the line at a fast food place in his car, and behind him he said, I looked in the rearview mirror and I saw a woman, and the woman looked distressed. She looked really sad. And so I told the man, I'll buy her, her lunch. And so she, he paid her lunch. The woman said it was the right thing at the right time. He said, I've just recently lost my husband, and I was having a bad day. But the gift of giving brightened her day. And now she does it. She pays it forward. And she hopes other people do it, and they have become friends. Jesus said that there is blessings in just giving a cup of water. And this man did more than that. You don't know what you do when you do good, how it affects people. I don't know if you ever thought about this one, but the joy of being thankful. We need to be thankful of all that we are given. I ran across an account of a 93-year-old man in Italy. He was an Italian 93-year-old Italian, who got COVID, was in the hospital for many days, nearly died, but he recovered, as you see from this picture. Now, Italy is a socialistic medicine country, so the direct bill for all of his medications and stuff were not really his to pay. It's paid by the general population. But evidently, they have a deductible for certain things, and in this case, it's respirators. And so he was presented a bill, a deductible cost for the respirators he had to use. He began to cry. 
I don't know the whole conversation there, but you can imagine. They said, oh, don't worry about it. We'll get a payment plan. We'll fix it. Or maybe we can get the hospital to reduce the cost. Or maybe we can get a charitable organization to help you. I don't know what they said. But what they said was, stop crying. It's okay. This is what the man said. I do not cry for money. I had to pay because I can afford all this. I cry because I've been breathing God's air for 93 years. But I've never paid for it. It takes 500 euros. That's a give or take $500, to use the respirator in the hospital for a day. Do you know how much I owe God? I've never thanked God for this before. How much joy do we leave on the table every morning when we don't thank God for all he's given us? How much do we cheat ourselves as children of God, daughters and sons of the Most High, for the inherited blessings that he tells us we're going to have and his protection, and we don't thank him for it. How much joy do we lose in our life when we do not remember that Christ died on the cross for us, that our sins can be forgiven, and he stands as a mediator between us and God, covering up a lot of stuff. We lose those things because we don't have the joy in being thankful. In Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, God said to his children back there, he said, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemy whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Do you worship God with gladness and joy in your heart? Are you glad that you are a child of his? Are you glad that you have your sins forgiven? Excuse me. These allergies get to me after a while. You and I as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be joyful. We need to be glad. We need to be happy. Because we worship the only true and living God and because he takes care of us. And of course, the joy of being his, it just reads from that the joy of being his in psalms the fifth chapter in the eleventh verse says but let all those rejoice who put their trust in in you let them ever shout the joy because you defend them let those also who love you name love your name be joyful in you for you O lord will bless the righteous with favor you will surround him as with a shield let us rejoice because we trust in god do you trust in god be happy about it. Rejoice about it. Shout for joy. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Jesus to his disciples there in John the 15th chapter said this, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Keeping God's commandments, loving God, knowing that we're here, His brings joy to the soul. As we come close to the end of the lesson, I want to break down these four verses that I have here, but I'd like to read all four of them in context. 
For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, and strengthening with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who have qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. That ninth verse says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There's joy in knowing God's word and obeying it. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. There's joy in doing good. Strengthening with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father. There's joy in being thankful. Giving the thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. There's joy in being his. Thank Lonnie for reading the the scriptures this morning in our reading in first peter the the first chapter the third verse says blessed be the god of the father of our lord jesus christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you skipping down to the eighth verse it says whom having not seen you love Though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. If there is anyone that needs to have joy and be joyful, it's a Christian. If there's anyone that should be joyful in this life, it's you and I. And yet we let all these other things get in our way, and that kills the fruit of the Spirit. I hope you'll find there's something in the lesson to think about in the coming week. It is a custom we offer a song of invitation. If there's someone that's been sufficiently taught, believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, confesses that, repents of their sins, and wishes to have his, their sins washed away in baptism, we are, willing, we are willing and ready to help you this morning. Would you come as we sing a couple of verses of the song selected?